good dude i love that he got out of the crate <laughs> yeah he's not crated yet but he's, he's working on it amongst to your listeners amongst the new things i have during the pandemic is a great dane puppy and he's he's nice. testing me right now he will find the crate what's I'm the quick. what's the size they're at when they're puppies are they are they fully like how how big do they he, get he's six months old and i just had him weighed today because he had to take his medication they go by weight wow. he's 98.9 pounds wow so they're predicting he's going to be about 160 at full oh. grown. There's yeah. a, uh, I, uh, my neighbors have a great Dane. I love this dog, but I, every now and again, I'll look like, I'll go for like a run around the neighborhood. And, uh, one point he got out. I don't even know how, but I was like out of my peripheral vision. I just saw this like all lanky, just this giant dog, like running down the street. That was my first encounter with him. And like, I just stopped because I didn't want to, you know, didn't want him to keep going or whatever. So I stopped, but he got like, I'm like five, four. And he got like literally <laughs> like nose to nose with me. And I'm like, what am I stopping for your protection for? Like, <laughs> yeah, he was, he was fine. Yeah, you know, yeah, the, was, the funny thing is, and I'm sorry, but they can reach everything. So that's why I got to move shit out of it. Oh, way. yeah, no, sorry. That when they run, it's almost like a gallop, like a horse. Yes. When they, and, and you can hear them and see them. But here's the thing about Great Danes the biggest danger is they will lick and slobber you to death. They have no, <laughs> they have no aggression, no anger. They're just giant, friendly dogs, and they don't they don't really realize how big they are, which people told me, but now that he's growing, I see what they mean. Like he really doesn't understand. The funniest thing that he does, he's gotten to where he can sit on a couch like a human. Oh, no yeah. way. Yeah, he can sit on his with his butt on the couch and his feet on the on the ground. It's really pretty hilarious. And, and they're funny dogs, they're, they're pretty cool. But this is one of the rare times he's awake. They sleep, <laughs> they sleep 16 hours a day, they sleep all the time wow and uh he's awake right now which because now would be annoying like now would be a good time <laughs> to sleep because i got things to do right yeah, i know what you mean Every, i've got a cat and during this whole thing you know i i you know we've all been doing zoom shows interviews comedy shit online or whatever and a couple times i was actually grateful that he was being annoying because he would come in during the middle of a thing and like walk across my computer and shut it off and i'd be like and that's the end of that Zoom show. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's how that goes. Um, I love when animals sit like humans. My cat, every now and again, I'll come home and I have a chair, like a like an armchair or whatever. And it's facing this way. So when I open the front door, it's just like this. And one day I came home and he was sitting with his arm, for whatever reason, his paw, like, on the chair like a person and just turned and looked at me. And I was like, that's the scariest <laughs> fucking shit. <laughs> So like, now you know what's going on when you're not home. Yeah, exactly. I was like, did I interrupt something? Are you? That's fucking weird as shit. How was the? How did do you uh, make it through the pandemic? Obviously, you made it through fine. But like, were you one of those people who was going nuts not being on stage? Well, you know, I I quickly adapted to the Zoom shows, right? Because mm -hmm. it was just Zoom and streaming and whatever else was just what it was going to be. 
Right. So uh, I did those regularly. I got on stage, you know, it was kind of like in your open mic days, right? Where yeah. it was like, well, Wednesday nights, there's a rooftop downtown. And then uh, every <laughs> other Saturday, there's a beach. There's two drive-ins in the parking lot. And it was just yeah. doing all of that stuff. So it was, it was, it wasn't like working, but it was enough to, I don't know, get a little bit of the feel, you know? Mm -hmm. um, the biggest change that I noticed was working during the day instead of at night. Yeah. You know, that was a, that was a big change to, to be funny at 11 in the morning or two in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And then eight o'clock at night, you're like, okay, time to turn on the TV. There's nothing going on. Right. So that was, that was odd. But other than that, you know, it, I mean, it wasn't good for anybody, you know, unless you have yeah. mailbox money. Uh, you know, I think Joe Rogan was the only guy who profited during the pandemic, right? Joe, I know. Joe did all right. Yeah, <laughs> but, Joe, uh, Joe and Jeff Bezos did great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, man, I, I was having trouble with the, the daytime Zoom stuff, too, because, you know, as a comic, you wake up at night. So, like, in the it would be, like, 11 o'clock in the afternoon, I would do some kind of, like, I don't know if you did any of the bonfire live stuff or whatever that they had that organization, but I did some of that shit. And then like nine o'clock would turn around and I'd be like looking at anybody I could talk to like, Hey, where are you from? How you doing? <laughs> like, and then yeah, my family's some like, we're you know doing we're that from. street corner thing, you know? And, yeah. um, I guess it worked for some, I didn't, I didn't do any of those, but I certainly no. did more outdoor shows than I needed to, you know, but, but I right. mean, where else were you going to work? That was a thing. And then there were a couple of live things, um, Tampa, St. Louis, Portland. Right. I did those where they were clubs, you know, Florida of course had no rules and the other places yeah. were going with limited capacity, but it was right. just enough to keep you going, I guess. But I, but I will tell you that one thing I learned during the pandemic, um, I enjoyed the quiet. Yes. Yeah. You know, and now I'm adjusting to going back. And the bad thing is that it got comfortable and it was like, wait a minute, what am I chasing? Yeah. You know, you, you sometimes it's like, wait a minute, yeah. like, you know, so I know what I'm chasing. I'm chasing a great thing. Get your <laughs> ass off of there. Oh, what the hell is wrong with you? Get uh, off. Like, he's like, he's like, you know, it's still daylight, right? We could be outside right now and you're talking to this idiot. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's funny that you said that too because I've been wondering. I was talking to Judy Gold and we both said the same thing. We're in some kind of post pandemic sort of funk where like I I feel I I did get comfortable, you know, with like you said, it's a good way to put it when you said with the quiet. And then now it seems like does it seem like there's more noise than ever now? Where you're like, what the was it always like this? Because it's just it seems like there's something fucking weird going on at every bar every store every now there's like you know what it is it's like all the outdoor stuff is still going on as well as now all the indoor stuff is still going on so right we didn't lose anything that that, that was going on during the pandemic we just gained we gained more rooms where i won't be getting paid in yeah uh, and there, <laughs> the audiences have kind of a pent-up excitement mm -hmm. you know that's what i notice in the clubs and then just in the world people have a pent up like, wait, I'm out. I, I yeah. want to, you know, so, so yeah. I, yeah, I think there is more energy right now. I was, um, I saw something on the news about like how crowded the airports are and the airlines can't keep up 
with the demand because people want to travel. And, and I'm like, no. well, fucking hire your people back. Like, yeah, you, there's yeah. no problem with the airlines. Spend the money that you took from the government during the pandemic. Yeah. Hire your employees back and take care of your customers. It's, it's a, their problem is like, wait a minute. They're interfering with our bonuses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, some executive that's making $12 million a year is like, wait, I might not get 14 million this year if I if I hire, you know, a hundred right. people at a decent wage. I mean, that right. whole thing, that whole thing about no workers, right, is all it's all bullshit. It's like, well, just pay people and they'll come to work, you know. That's yeah. It's crazy. They have to choose between their, their fifth yacht and uh, actually making sure people have dinner on the table. It's a real mm -hmm. tough choice for them to make. Um, yeah. I'm kind of I'm kind of enjoying and I know T Tom and I've talked about this before, but I and I know this is somewhat sadistic, but I am kind of enjoying watching like restaurant workers not go back and restaurant owners suffer because they refuse to pay them. It's like this is what we said was going to happen. And you said that if they didn't like it to find another job. Well, guess what? Motherfucker, they found another job. Like, you know, or they're going somewhere else. Yeah, we've become, you know, they're doing away with the middle class, right? This has been, mm -hmm. they've been working on this. And when I say that, by they, I mean Republicans. Yes, um, of course. <laughs> have been working on this since the Reagan era. Mm -hmm. the, the trickle down ain't trickling down. Nope. And, you know, at some point working people are like, and they're like, people are saying, why am I working if I can't pay your bill? It's like, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. For years, there were Walmart employees who were getting food stamps, right? So, mm -hmm. in effect, the government was subsidizing Walmart. Right. And it's like, with each of the family being worth, I don't know, $10, 20000000000 billion. See, that's the thing I never understood. They, they all yell socialism. It's funny how many people, you know, living in a trailer with no heat are yelling about socialism. But right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the thing, and, and again, we were just having this talk, you know, Henry Ford, listen, there was a lot of negatives about Henry Ford, but one thing he said that was really smart, he said, you got to pay them enough to buy the cars. Wow. That, yeah, that's great. That's a great, right. Quote. And, and yeah. this is something that they've all lost. They've all lost, like you, to keep society functioning, you have to pay people enough and, and people aren't lazy. I think people want to work, mm -hmm. but when they realize like, I'm killing myself and I'm getting nowhere on this treadmill. Yeah. And yeah, they did find out that unemployment It's like, well, if I'm going to be broke, I'll be home. And if you pay me enough to go yeah. to work, I want, it's not, people aren't lazy. They want to support their family or whatever, of but yeah. they also want a piece, you know, Jeff yeah. Bezos. I, I don't think if Jeff Bezos had, I don't know, 150 billion, like, I don't know, what can you buy with 170 billion? That you can't buy with 150 billion. What is that? <laughs> so exactly. But you, I don't know if you. I don't know if you know this man. And this is if you really want to get pissed off. There's a website you can go to called uh, Spend Bill Gates Money, and you and it's literally like uh, there's like a, a bunch of little squares, and each one has like airport, uh, Miami Dolphins, uh, whatever it is, and you can click on shit, and his and his money goes down in the count. You can buy fucking everything without him basically making a dent in what he actually is worth. And it's just sickening to think that he can own 15 airports, uh, I don't know how many football leagues, mansions, yachts, and it just goes on and on. Well, one thing I'll say about Bill Gates that one of the reasons I'm not as mad as him, at least he provided something. Like he built Microsoft. He did something. 
These well, hedge, and even the seed these bank. hedge fund guys, yeah, these hedge fund guys do nothing but but feed off of the system like leeches, right? Buy a company, bankrupt it, do this, do that, and Indeed. they don't provide anything. At least he can say, "Hey, listen, I computerized the world." Right. right. So, no. so, you know, yeah. so there's that. Yeah. I don't get uh, the anger at all. Like I understand the disproportionate amount of money and stuff like that. But when I at least see them like, no, no, who else was going to build a seed bank in the fucking Arctic? You know what I mean? Who else is thinking right. that far ahead? So I usually go like, well, you know, at least he's fucking doing something. But then these other guys, like I, like Musk, I go in between him driving me crazy and not like on one hand, I think like, has anybody seen a movie? This is exactly what an evil genius looks like before yeah. he builds death robots. On the other hand, I'm like, I enjoy that at least somebody is talking about um, exploring space more, more than more than the government's willing to fund NASA. And even if it is a kind of a, I, I don't know what the, the downside is he could wind up killing us all. Or I think that the people that he's going to send to Mars are on a death trip. You know what I mean? Like he, he doesn't yeah, care. Musk, I still don't know about. I mean, you had that whole, this whole cryptocurrency thing that he yes. was involved in. It's like, you know, if you, if you were a, sh a con man, you'd be in jail for this, right? It, it's, Absolutely. It's a strange, it, they live above the law. They honestly live above the law. And yes. now we're finding out they don't pay taxes at all. And, oh, and that's another that. thing that it's like, look, shut down the loopholes, you know, stop mm -hmm. it. I mean, pay again pay some taxes you know it's yeah i'll tell you the thing about rich that was funny to me so i'm a big fan of the uh, la clippers mm -hmm. right because i love lost causes so when steve <laughs> when steve Ballmer, who was like the retired ceo of the clippers there mm -hmm. were there was a bidding war on the team right so the bidding yeah. was at like 1.4 billion and he just said Ah, screw it. I'll pay two billion. And they were like, thank you. Bidding's over. He got the team. And he did mm -hmm. that in like May, right? Yeah. And by by October, when the season started, he had made the two billion back. Like, <laughs> like it was he was like, Yeah, he yeah, take this. It's my shit. it's my summer money that wow. you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but That's you know, insane. it's that kind of thing. It's like, look, this is his hobby. Like I was watching when they were playing the Mavericks, they showed him. And um, Mark Cuban yeah. in the stands, and and I was like, so this is what billionaires do for fun. Let's <laughs> let's each buy a basketball team and have them play against each other. Like this is just yeah. billionaire fun, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it is crazy what people do. Like like at least celebrities have the balls to do something completely insane, like wear vials of blood around their neck or fuck it, you know, like do something nutty. But when you see like those billionaires and they're just buying the shit that we enjoy and you're like oh that's so weird like when they own their own airline suddenly or yeah. island or wherever else you're like wow they just have fuck you money and and we're like struggling i do you think there's gonna be a point where people actually like the fact I, I i never understood like um like i live in new jersey right and we all hate the toll system it doesn't happen yes. in la you know what i mean it didn't happen in arizona for the longest time but East Coast fucking hates the toll system. I don't understand why people just don't go, I'm not paying this anymore. Nobody likes it. Nobody believes it pays for anything anymore. And I know it's anarchist to say it, but why don't we all just go through? Do you think it's going to be a point where people go, these people don't pay their fucking taxes. I'm done. Like, what if we all just decided, fuck it? 
You know, I, I really don't know, but I think, you know, they're, they're always worried about this thing. Oh, it's going to be a racial riot or it's going to be this or that. Mm. And I think if it's going to be economic, I think you, yes. you push people so far. Like now people can't afford homes. Right. They, they just can't afford. I mean, especially here, I'm in LA, you know, in, in mm -hmm. New York, uh, LA and San Francisco, yeah. I, unless you're in tech or like, you know, entertainment, like, like I tell everyone, this is a lottery business we're in, right? This entertainment right. business, it, you, you get the right break, you make some money. So I was lucky enough when I made a little money, I bought a house and I got in, you know, mm. but yeah, again, you're pushing people, you know, you see the tents all over. And yeah. at some point I think people are going to snap and I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. A friend of mine, he's, and this is a, a businessman, very smart, very successful. Um, I don't know. Yeah. You have any friends where you don't really know how rich they are? Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know how rich he is. He might have $10 million. He might have a hundred million dollars. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but I know he's got <laughs> a lot of money in this and that. And he, he was saying something that was really, he said, you know, this two party system, he's like more and more. I just think they're in it together. Oh, yeah. The whole thing is rigged. You know, like like you look at McConnell and Pelosi, they've been going against each other for three presidential administrations, but nothing has really changed. And, right. and you have you have the appearance of a fight, but then things kind of stay the same. And and they're not like like um, Chris Rock's old joke with doctors. Like there ain't no money in the cure. Yeah, you know, the money's in the comeback. That's yeah. And in politics, there's no money in the solution. Right. That is the truth. There, there's no profit in solving people's problems or even giving a shit about people. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and more the great and more, lie is that progress. Uh, sorry, I mean the great lie I was going to say is that progress is slow. And I don't. I think you're right on the money. I don't think it's slow. I think they they hold it back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in some ways it's slow. Like when, when Barack Obama said, it's like turning an aircraft carrier. I get that. You know, oh yeah. You're not going to do everything at once. Right. But, but things need to move. But the other thing that's fascinating, and we dealt with this, with the economy, with the pandemic, how do you deal with these people who vote against their own interests? You know, how many right. people, yeah. how many people who refuse to wear a mask died or their yeah. family died or something? And, and it was like, and now they're refusing the vaccine, you know, right. because of your, your keys will stick to your forehead, which is an <laughs> absolute medical fact and a reason to turn down any. But, but when you have people believe this, right, and, and we're talking millions of people, we're not talking yeah. 50 people, millions of people believe that, like, the people who say Bill Gates is tracking them, I'm like, the man has over a hundred billion dollars. Why would he? At what point do you think he's like, "Where's Keith at?" I want to know. What Keith, let me tell you something. Bill Gates has a hundred billion dollars. If he wants to know where I'm at, I will go to his house. I'll be. I'm right here. Bro. How you doing? Well, I heard you were looking for me. Here I am. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Give me a million dollars. You'll never notice it. You'll right. never notice it, and I'll yeah. never come back <laughs> until you call. Yeah, right, until you call again. Yeah, you like know, the guy so, can't afford his own mini drones or whatever the fuck he's got working on to find some lunatic. It's so, but but with these people and they're voting, and you see the you know these Marjorie Taylor Greens and the and the one out of Colorado, Bobert mm -hmm. or whatever. You know, like they said, who thought 
who thought we'd look back in Sarah Palin and say, you know, she wasn't that bad. Yep. And I, ha- I, have, a, I have a bad feeling we're going to look back at Trump in the same way. I, I have a feeling when there's somebody oh, who doesn't tweet and is just as like-minded as he is, it's going to be bad. To, and to uh, your I point, know. I feel like to your point, I think the way you're saying they're both on that same team, when I look at it and I see people that are that work as firemen or cops or sanitation and they're super like right and they're like anti-socialism and i'm like you work in a social structure and then you see Mm -hmm. people that are pure capitalist right that are heads of banks and they push super left and you're like but aren't you fighting against your own cause it's like they trick everybody it's i feel like it's more rigged than that tyson fight that they just had where like all right (laughs) went to 12 rounds and uh yeah we're gonna call it a draw so (laughs) no way i don't know yeah it's I don't, I don't know how you communicate with people who vote against their own interests. Mm-hmm. And they're so vested in that. Yeah, You know, it's like, I hate unions. I hate unions. Like, you're underpaid with zero benefits. You, yeah. you, you are the reason unions were invented in the, you know, early yeah. 1900s when they had those factory sweatshops and all. Like, you're, and here you are, anti-union, like, I don't know how you help people like that. I don't I don't know what you say to them that's going to get through and they're going to be like, oh, oh, wait, you know, yeah. it. I don't know. I don't know either. Maybe and like, I feel like, oh, good. No, I was going to say, you know, World War Two brought <laughs> the country together, right? Like yeah. maybe we truly do need to be attacked by aliens from outer space for everyone to put down their own little in- personal yeah. interests and say, wait a minute, as a group, yeah. we deserve more. But you know, right. Trump said a lot of ridiculous things, but when they said there were people from outer space and someone said, yeah, and they looked at our planet and said, mm, no, I believe that. <laughs> I believe that. I believe the aliens were like, mm, no, yeah. no, we'll, we'll give them another thousand years and come back. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I feel you, man. I feel the same kind of way. And I love what you said before about people wanting to work because I, I always say the same thing too, but they just want to be respected in their work. And I always use this analogy because I don't know if you know what why they used to have cats on ships back in the day or how they wound up being on ships or whatever. It was to, it was to catch the mice, to kill the rats. Yeah, there were rats all over the ships. Yeah, Right. But I don't know if you know the reason uh, how cat food got started was they brought all these cats on the ships to kill the rats and they, they never fed them because they want they thought that starving them would make them better hunters. But the cats never caught the rats. And then they f- developed food for cats and they realized if you feed them, they'll fucking work. That's the analogy I like to use. It's like, don't starve people and don't make people miserable and withhold health care and pay and benefits. Give them what they need and they'll work hard for you. Yeah, and it, the examples are the smaller European countries where yeah. those kind of things work. Where You know, the Norways and the Swedens and, and places like that where it's like, yeah, we pay people. They don't worry about the cost of health care. They get a month off every year. Yeah. And they actually work like Ikea, you know, it works like we laugh at it, but it works. Right. And, you know, yeah. so they're doing something right. Or even Canada, you know, where I where I love like I'm waiting for global warming to kick in and make it livable. And then I'm <laughs> on my way. As soon as this global warming thing kicks in, I'm heading to Winnipeg. I'm telling you, I love Canada. Canadians yeah. are great people. And, you know, when the pandemic started, I have a friend who lives in Toronto and he said the government just said, OK, we're going to give everyone a thousand dollars a month just to keep the economy going so that they'll spend money. They'll go to, you know, we were talking earlier about right. the restaurants or the 
whatever little stores and stuff like that. And they were like, we'll figure out, the government was like, we'll figure out how to pay for it later, but we have to keep the country rolling, you know? And then here we had people who literally have millions and millions of dollars saying, no, we shouldn't give them any unemployment. Right. No, I know. Dude, but that's the thing that fucked me up about Musk, man. It made me feel like he's a piece of shit because he was actively going on TV during that time saying that you do not want to give people aid. And he fucking found a loophole and got aid for the company during the pandemic. Well, all of them were getting those huge government. um, Yeah. What was it called? I can't remember. It was the government money to keep your business going. Like, yeah, I heard that uh, Tom Brady right got like nine hundred thousand dollars for his sports uh uh training business and it's like yeah tom legally you're entitled to it but you and your wife are worth four hundred million dollars right you probably didn't need it right you know uh and and i i again i don't know it's it's just such a you know and yeah if you're elon musk like maybe you just sit this one out Right. Yeah, exactly. But like you don't have to say you don't have to say anything. You could just not say anything. Yes, exactly. And that's <laughs> the thing. Like, I, I'm not like I'm not look, I'm not trying to get anybody to fucking be any any better than they than they are net whatever it is. Like he's Elon Musk, he's untouchable. But you like you just said, don't be a prick. Don't go on TV and start telling what people should and shouldn't get when you're a millionaire throwing bricks at the windows of your cars because you can afford it, you know, <laughs> like having them break anyway. Yeah. Um, what is you what, like, so I was a, I was a Bernie guy, you know, through the whole thing. I can't wrap my head around like Andrew Yang, I think is uh complete and total full of shit, dude. I don't know why I don't buy into any of his mm-hmm. stuff. Oh dude. I think he's kind of like, I think he's, uh, I know. I understand the appeal. He seemed, but the appeal of Andrew Yang is the same thing to me as the appeal of um, the dude, the, the um, oh my God, I'm blanking on his name now. I hate the, the, the gay guy who was uh, running for president. Is that a Budovich? Budovich, yeah. My, Budajed. My, Budajed. Uh, Budajed. Budajed, yeah. The, the name you always pronounce wrong. No yeah, matter exactly. how you say it, you're saying it wrong. Yes. <laughs> the dude who totally ripped off, the white guy who totally ripped off Obama's speech pattern, by the way. <laughs> but like that shit, but I feel like they're the same thing. They like Buttigieg is what your grandparents would like a gay person to be. Just well-dressed, not flamboyant. That's who they'll vote for. And he's completely, he's just an, he's just a whiteboard. That's all he is. You know what I mean? Other Democrats get to put whatever they want on him, shove him out there because he's young. Andrew Yang, I don't know what his deal is, but I feel like that uh, he he totally twisted the universal basic income thing because his is like, yeah, we want to give you $1,000 a month, but his health care plan sucks. So that fucking extra thousand they're going to give you is going to go towards his crappy. So you still get fucked, but no one looks into it. Bernie was the only one that made any sense to me. And I and I know that being a, you know, quote unquote, Bernie bro is like a death sentence to begin with. But what are your thoughts? Like, is there anybody that you well, see coming up that you feel hopeful about? Because I'm lost. Dude. See, here, here's the thing. It, it it has to be, and this is the the word, the dirty word that nobody can use. Mm-hmm. There has to be a compromise, right? Mm. And we've reached the point that any compromise is considered a loss. So I, I'm not as far left as Bernie. You know, I get right. some of what Bernie says, but some of what, and it's not that the idea isn't good. It's that no, that's never going to happen. Like Americans are never going to go for that. So, so come back toward the middle and there's probably a compromise like going back to Hillary Clinton. Right. And, and I, the Democrats totally blew it on this. It was like, listen, I don't care how much you hate Hillary. 
It was about the Supreme Court. Oh, and the yeah, Democrats absolutely. didn't push the Supreme. And now you've got this ridiculous right wing Supreme Court. And, you know, and, and that was the compromise, right? So the Bernie people who absolutely refused to vote for Hillary, mm-hmm. it was like, and and then they blew it. And I'm not blaming the Bernie people. I'm just saying that this right. is where we run into the problem of no compromise, right? So now you have Bernie has some good ideas. Elizabeth Warren had some great ideas, especially about the economy her mm-hmm. banking regulations and, and Elizabeth Warren was like, she was like, put these bastards in jail. You yeah. start putting bank CEOs in jail. You watch how fast banking cleans up, you know, again, yeah. again, this is an old Carlin joke. Like, you know, street drug drug dealers, they don't mind going to jail. Bankers, mm-hmm. they're scared <laughs> as fuck of going to jail, you know? Yeah. So, so, so there has to be, some kind of compromise. Who is that person? Right. I don't know. I don't know who can bring them together. Um, some of what Biden's doing is good. One thing yeah. I love about Biden is I don't hear from Biden. I like yeah, that as a president. I don't need to hear from you every day. Go do some yeah. presidential shit. <laughs> you, <Yep>. know? <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> you know what I love? They but, did at a press conference and he go and somebody was trying to bait him for whatever. And he goes, they were like, Mr. President, what do you think of uh, what the Republicans think about whatever? Right. And he just went, man, I don't know what the Republicans are thinking. Thank you for your time. And then just walked off. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> Thank or when you. he was at, when he was at the ice cream place and he was like, <laughs> I'm just going to have some ice cream. And it was like, <laughs> it's, it's really a polite <laughs> fuck you. Right. It it's is. like, I'm not, I'm not falling for your game. Yeah. You know, and it just, and the thing about Buttigieg, the thing, one thing I love about him, mm-hmm. he goes on Fox news and he owns them. He does repeatedly because they're not that smart. They're very Mm -hmm. angry, but they're not that smart. And this is where you talk about the Democrats shooting themselves in the foot. They, they destroyed Al Franken. It was like, that was your spokesman. Gillibrand, man. (laughs) Yeah. You just like, (laughs) listen, from now on, Al Franken is going to do all of our speeches. We're not going to let anyone else talk, but Al Franken, (laughs) because he's smarter than you and he's funnier than you. And by the time you realized he called you an asshole, the press conference is over. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. you, you don't even realize how he took you apart, you know? So, yeah. yeah it's, it's insane that that went through. Democrats love to shoot themselves in the face. Absolutely. And it, and the and Gillibrand just missed that vote on the Senate. But like, how the fuck do you go on about how much you care about women and and miss that last it's it's insane to me it, it that that shit just drives me crazy too the Buttigieg thing is absolutely dead on though you're right he he has composure enough in those interviews and i don't know what it is man but somebody should take a lesson from him because he doesn't let fox news uh guys frustrate him i never see him get angry i just see him stay totally chill and own the shit out of them and it's wild well john stewart said when he used to go up against o'reilly he would be he would like study up. So he was ready for any question. He just, right. he was like, I just had to have all the answers. So anything they tried, mm-hmm. I knew what they were talking about. And that's the, you know, that's the way to do it. But yeah. Yeah. When you, t- when you talk about what the democratic party's doing, it's the Republicans pick one simple thing and they push that through, like, we're going to keep our guns or we're going to, you know, right ban abortion or we're going to hate black people and you can throw in the Mexicans and the gays. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But the the Democrats are all over and it's like you can't be everything to everybody. Just just 
just work on work on the, the people, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, like we're going to help working class people and then just do that. Yeah. You know, Have so. you ever seen the European model, the way they teach history to their to their, you know, like like college, high school level people is basically no. it's weird, dude. And I, and I was looking it up and because uh, you know how like on our basically on our end, you've got Bernie as the guy on the far, far left. You know, then it's kind of like Liz Warren and then it's all the other Democrats are a little towards the center left and Obama's in there. And then it's republicans and then towards the trump side it's tipping off like it's like mm-hmm. or not tipping up but it's like in the conservative side in european side it's bernie's actually in the middle of the left everybody else is kind of in in the mm-hmm. in the middle you know conservative to the like right in the middle and it's like republicans are off of it they're like tipping yeah. off to the other side and i feel like that's the way it is i think that when people argue about because i see it sometimes too and i to an extent agree that the democrats can be feckless but i also realize that I think moderate classic Republicans, I guess, if you want to call them have merged with, you know, Democrats and that's why they can't get anything done. There's just a lot of different, like, I, I feel like it's mostly what that is. And the, what the Republican party is now is just pure insanity and they've got one yeah, high mind and that's it. They've gone, they've gone off the deep end and the, the whole thing of we're going to be the party of no, anything mm-hmm. you say, the, the response is no. Right. And when we do have an idea, it's going to be insane. You know, I mean, they just put a handmaiden on the Supreme Court. Like, yep. literally, she was a handmaiden. Like, that right. was her, you know. It, it's, and the Democrats don't have any pushback. You know, and right. it's like, yeah. You know, when they're like, you're going to expand the court. It's like, yeah, we are. We're going to expand the court till we get sanity back. You know, that, yeah. like, yeah. like, don't don't deny it. Right. Explain wh- how and why you're going to do it. Right. And you're right. In in the rest of the world, our our Democrats are conservative. Yeah. And our Republicans and are like crazy right wing. You know, I mean, I don't know how much you travel if you do any international mm-hmm. stuff, but this I is back yeah. back when Bush got elected, you know, I, I was going mm-hmm. around and, and people were like what the hell are you guys doing? How did he get, <laughs> you know, they were like, how did he get right. in? And and then the world, when we went from Obama to Trump, that's when the world said, yeah, America no longer leads the world. They've right. lost their minds. They've lost Germany. What are you talking about? Because the Americans have lost their minds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it was weird, man. I felt like, you know, when I started doing stand up, it was, I, th- I started in 2005 and then I watched, all, all my, you know, predecessors, all you guys just crush. But I watched you do, uh, you know, political material, presidential material, all that other stuff. And I felt like the audience still took it well. This is the only time, and I, and I remember doing jokes about that kind of stuff. And then uh, literally before the pandemic started, when there was like blood in the water, where they felt like they were going to, Trump supporters felt like they were going to use. I was in Michigan, uh, and I it was like the fourth show. I was closing out. It was a great weekend. And for whatever reason table of trump a couple tables of trump supporters and i literally thought this was it like because i had mentioned his name i didn't even get to i was close to the end of the whole thing i had like 15 minutes left I'm like let me wrap it up let me do some shit i mentioned his name and they all they started doing was chanting usa at me and it was like mm-hmm. the weirdest shit because i was like what's your point but i you know and then of course i went back at them and there was like a whole thing and they had to get removed from the you know room or whatever but uh that was the only time i ever felt like people attach themselves to to a presidential camp or like in a politician where they were willing to like fist fight you 
over jokes. It was weird. Well, they had to because they had nothing to stand on, right? They had no right. policy, no logic, nothing. You know, one of the things that I, I would get Trumpers, one of the nice things about being black is not many Trumpers come to the show. They see my picture, they're like, he's probably not one of us. So they don't show up. Yeah, that's but true. It's, but it's always good when you have one of them honestly say, look, I don't agree with you, but that was funny. Yes. Or, yeah. or you know, you that's probably the best they could do. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I the, the one I had, this was, this was hilarious. Um, I was in... Uh, What's the name of the casino? It's a it's a comedy club. Oh, Mohegan Sun, oh, which yeah. is a casino up in in um, Connecticut. Connecticut, yeah. And I said something about Obama because he had made a comment or a speech, and this woman in the front row starts yelling, "He was a preacher, not a president." And I was like, "Oh, because he spoke English. He was a preacher, not." <laughs> <laughs> the third time she said it, this was funny. It wasn't the club security. It was the security guys from the casino, the guys in a suit with the earpiece. Yeah. And they, two of them just walked up, took her by the arms and walked her out. They didn't say oh. anything. They were just, and, and I was like, yeah, see, now, <laughs> you know, that, that's how they handled that. Right. So after mm. the show, this gay couple in the front row, these two guys come up to me and they say, hey, we're really sorry about our friend. And I'm like, that was your friend? Like you're an openly gay couple and this, like what, what the hell? Right. I don't even know how you explain, like how does that mind thing work? Mm -hmm. But yeah, the Trumpers, it's the herd mentality. And the funniest thing now, and it's, is hilarious. The defense lawyers for the insurgents from January 6th, are, their defense is, well, they were watching Fox News and they got caught up and went crazy like that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like your criminal defense is you were watching Fox News. It's right. Like, I, again, I don't know. I, I it, so wanted them to send those people to Gitmo. It's like, oh, isn't that dude. where we send insurgents? Can yeah. we send them to Gitmo and, and treat them like they attacked the government because that's what they did? Yeah. Know? I know that was wild, man. I, I can't believe that there's like very little shit going on and there's people defending them and and uh, and there's still some of them who believe the guy didn't even bail them out like they supposedly thought he was going to do if they if they went after the Capitol. What I love is that uh, this in spite of videos of of uh, police officers literally opening the gates for insurgents to walk through. There's like the Washington Post article that just came out that was like, hey, uh, we figured out that police knew about some of the, like the fucking no shit. We saw videos <laughs> on day one of them doing that kind of crap. It it blows me away, man. Um, I, I, got a, I got a good question because this is something I'm struggling with now, too. And it's basically, did you see the McDonald's or no, a Burger King thing about um, they're doing 40 cents? They're, they're attacking Chick-fil-A. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they're going to they're going to give money to. 40 cents uh, LG, of, yeah. LGBTQ, right. Right, for their thing. Here's where I think I'm burnt out on the last four years of Trump, where I understand, like, normally I would be positive about this kind of shit, where I'm like, oh, cool, we got to win. You know what I mean? Like, that's nice that this company is doing it. But I also remember the last four years where corporations stayed relatively fucking silent because they were doing well. And I feel like 
I'm just pissed off about the. I feel like it's performative. You know, Burger King is running ads for a month against an easy competitor because Chick Fil A supposedly, you know, they hate gay people, and now Burger King gets a hey, we, good job. And I'm like, where were you all of all of Trump's reign? Where were you pushing? Where were you using your corporate money and your influence as a you know whatever to push back? I fucking want to like because I I tweeted about it and I got some you know, whatever for, uh, some praise from LGBTQ people or whatever from being like, yeah, that's a good point. And a lot of, I was, wasn't surprised. I wasn't uh, expecting like flack for being like, Hey, can't we just have a win? And I'm like, fuck, I didn't think of it like that. But I also feel like how long do I have to pretend that these corporations are on our side? You know what I mean? I struggle with, well, that. you know, and this might be a generational thing, you know, mm. uh, me being 20 plus years older than you or whatever, our generations are different. Right. Honestly, I'm okay with a company doing the right thing for the wrong reason. Uh, okay. All right. Understand. I got you. You know, this is business for Burger King, right? And if we can give to money to the gay causes and sell right. more chicken sandwiches, I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, this was a thing I read recently and this bothered me. Mm -hmm. A lot of these corporations that pledged money to Black Lives Matter and related mm -hmm. causes last summer haven't yeah. anteed up. Yep. They haven't given the money that they pledged. And it's like, give the money. You know, yeah. um, some companies, you know, listen, Nike has not been, Nike hasn't always been a friend of their customers. Right. Okay. The, I'm going to put it that way. But they did step up. And they, mm -hmm. they were on the right side of the, of the Kaepernick cause and yes. so on, you know, so, so it took them that long, right. To mm -hmm. get it, you know, it's really funny. They use a, they use an old public enemy song called shut them down in one yeah. of their commercials. And it's like, but in the song, Chuck D called out Nike. Yeah. Back in the day. They kind of, <laughs> they kind of eliminated that verse where he actually called out Nike. Yeah. I so, saw, I, yeah. So, you know, it, it's, yeah, it is a it's I don't know if, if win is the right word, but if they're going right. to pump in the money, I don't care what their motivation is. Maybe they yeah. maybe they got it right this time or maybe they're just doing it for corporate sales. But you know what? Mm -hmm. If being if treating gay people like they're humans, which is an amazing thing. Oh my god, they're human, you know. <laughs> but if that's good for business, then okay, then let it be I, good for business. If that's if that's your you. reason, if if uh going, you know, uh, going with the insane idea that black lives matter right you know, is good for business then okay let that be your motivation um yeah yeah it would be I mean, like I it would be like evangelical christians actually doing something that jesus would do wow ooh. that would be different yeah yeah good point <laughs> you know it's like okay yeah. that's uh, as good a reason as any you know just yeah yeah, that's a good point, man. I, I don't know what it is. I, I just get, you know, and I'm I'm sure even that anybody else understands it, too. You just get frustrated by that kind of shit, because even during the pandemic, like I'd gone. I think we had spoken a couple of times over over Facebook, because I don't know if you even make. But like I've sent you, you know, cartoons I've done during the thing or yeah. whatever. And I went to a couple uh, I went to a couple BLM, you know, like rallies and stuff there where I was proud of because I live in New Jersey and I live in a like a shore town. What was cool about that, though, is as many. You know, I, I see a lot of Blue Lives Matter flags around here, which is basically the new fucking Confederate flag. But mm -hmm. there was like 1,500 people that came out for that rally, which made me feel like, holy Christ, I thought I was alone in this neighborhood. Because I've also gotten, like when I was 19, my friend and I got detained by Secret Service because we uh, we protested 
uh, in our hometown because Bush was running for re-election and he was he was this is one of his campaign stops for some reason. And I we were 19 and I was like, not in my fucking town. But we were the only, <laughs> we were the only two idiots there protesting. <laughs> so we got uh, we we sh- I, you know, his daughters came on stage and we shouted, uh, your father's a murderer because we're mm-hmm. morons and we got detained by Secret Service and we were in the paper the next day. And that was exciting. Um, but we, you know, <laughs> it was super dumb, uh, but we, it was cool or whatever. So we felt like uh, I felt a little less alone this time around, but, um, the, uh, there was well, a couple of these Instagram sites, right. Where like, they, you know, those ones that curate comedians material. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this, this site's doing all BLM shit. Right. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. They've got like 600,000 followers. They're sharing shit that I'm saying. They're sharing shit that other comedians are saying. This is great. And I fucking find out that they're making money off of, you know, what they're doing or whatever. And I, and I like, yeah, man. And I was like, I was, I was so kind of like, uh, like, Hey, it's cool. All these messages are getting out to 700,000 people. They're providing information. And then I find out they're fucking making money off it. So my dumb brain cannot wrestle with the capitalistic approach to activism. And I was just like, well, fuck these people. (laughs) Like or whatever, and I like. Does that does that kind of shit bother you too, or do you consider that to be like, I, a, hey, look, if they're gonna give out the message, then I'm not even looking at the message on that. I'll tell you something: ripping off comedians' ideas to make money is not a new business. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> they've been they've been doing this to us since cassette tapes, and probably before that when they used yeah. to they had those compilation cassettes that they mm-hmm. they would sell in truck stops and then a bunch of comics and this was before i started a bunch of comics were like what wait a minute they recorded our set and they're selling like people have been ripping off comedians to make money uh, probably since the second comedian i guess you know (laughs) if you talk to you talk to the to the people who are around in the 80s right you know like now I mean, the money we get from, um, you know, from Sirius Radio and 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 that kind of stuff, they never got that. They never saw a penny of their material being wow. repeated and rerun and stuff like that. So, the idea that this company is going to say, "Hey, we're woke and we're we're helping out, but we're also selling ads and going to make some cash," yeah, it it's it's unfortunate. I'm not going to even say it's right. I'm just going to say. It's what they do. Hey, I want to say something real quick because sure. I, I know I think we're running out of time. I don't know if we stick to we an can, hour. If you we can going. go as long as we want, man, it's fine by me. Oh. I just like to try to keep it to an hour in case anybody gets bored. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all good. So, no, when you talked about the the BLM and we're talking about Black Lives Matter, I just want to yes. really quick talk about this new station I'm working oh. with, KBLA fifteen eighty. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's KBLA fifteen eighty AM in LA. But you'll be able to listen anywhere. There's going to be an app and there's going to be a a website where you can stream it through the website. So the idea is this station started by uh, Tavis Smiley and it's progressive talk. Yes, it's going to be it's it's like progressive talk with a black perspective. But one thing he said, he said, I want this listenership to be like a Black Lives Matter rally. You know what you were talking about, how they, you know, Black Lives Matter. Everybody came to the party. There, mm-hmm. there were, you know, there were Latin people. There were, were the LGBTQ community. There were white people. There were people who are fed up with how black people being treated, but more so 
people were fed up with policing and the militarization of policing. Yeah. So with this station, what we're going to do, yeah, it definitely there'll be black issues and stuff, but it's not a black radio station. And, and so I want to say it's going to be progressive. It's going to be, you know, we're in this together. You know, I mean, like mm -hmm. the Asian, the Asian violence that they're suffering. And I read yeah. a story and I absolutely loved it. I think it happened in Ireland. And I was saying, when is this going to happen? Right. You, so you have this, Asian stereotype of martial arts and they know how to fight. I was like, when is there going to be an old Asian guy who does know martial arts and knock somebody out? And I don't know if you saw the video. It happened no. in Ireland. This white guy was messing with this Asian shop owner and he knocked him the <laughs> fuck out. He knocked him and it was like, yeah, this is the guy I've been waiting to see. You know? Oh my God, I got to find call, that video. Call no. it a stereotype or whatever, but it was like, right. you know, yeah, if you mess with old Asians, one oh. of them is going to be Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was a beautiful thing. But but the point being like, we're, we're you know, I'll talk about that on my show. And and even when I talked about that on my website and and, mm. and on my podcast, right? There were people who came at me and said, what about Asians and black people's uh, fight back in the day of the Rodney King riots and this and that, you know? And I was like, yeah, there's been problems with, with Korean stores in black neighborhoods, but don't try to use that as a wedge to get me right. to support violence against Asians. You know, any, yeah. any group being discriminated against, it's still discrimination. Obviously, black people, we have a longer history with it because mm. it goes back to slavery and and the history with that but that doesn't right. make you know it's not like there's a line it's not like well it's okay to beat up asians because they haven't <laughs> been you know enslaved in the past right. or it's it's okay to abuse okay yeah the, the, you're not taking the, you turns know, you know what's killing me now this thing with the trans pronouns right? oh yeah yeah so, so trans people are giving you a pronoun and all these right-wingers are complaining and it's like you said you didn't know what to call them you right. said you didn't know if there's a man or a woman. So they're telling you, call me she, call me he. And now you're mad about that. Like you, you yeah. actually said, I don't know what to call you. And they were like, this is what you call me. Well, I don't want to call you. Well, what more do you want? What, right. what else do you need? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like, all we did was exactly what you asked for. You know, mm -hmm. so, so yeah, it's, I, I'm looking forward to this station. Um, I'm hoping there's a lot of activity and calls. And so, so. Cool. Are you guys gonna Are have you, guests on? Like, what's the theme? What's the oh theme yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have guests. It, it's gonna be talk radio. I'm gonna have cool. guests. I'm gonna have comics, uh, politicians, and any authors, anyone I can get who's willing to talk to me. I'll talk to. And awesome. uh, the only thing I'm not gonna do is I'm not gonna turn into a AM right wing station where I'm yelling at somebody <laughs> for 15 minutes. I just yeah. don't. I, it that. That thing is done. I, yeah. I do not want to get into that. I don't want it to be that. You know, nothing. It's, that's just theater, right? It's it's yes. nothing. Yeah. And it's weird, too. If you've talked to some of those people outside of it, they're still yelling. I'm like, you know you're not on air right now, right? I'm like, holy shit, dude. Like, uh, it's it's always weird. That's Congratulations, man. That's fantastic. I can't wait to uh, to listen to that because that's going to be incredible. Yeah, we launch, uh, we launch on Juneteenth, June 19th. And, nice. Uh, which is a Saturday and then they'll have a weekend mm -hmm. promo shows and this and that. And then the actual launch of all the shows is on Monday the 21st. So right. yeah, to all your How people, great was the, lean in. did you, did you uh, finally feel like a, uh, what did you feel when you were, when they finally acknowledged the June 19th thing 
the Juneteenth? Was it was it like a about time sort of feeling, or did you feel anything towards it? Or were you just like, great, let's move on to the next thing? No, you know, the hard thing with this, with the 1619 Project and critical race theory and everything about that, is the pushback against the truth. Mm-hmm. That's the hard thing. I don't know if you know the story of uh, Bruce's Beach. Do you know the story about this? No. No. So there was a beach, and it was Manhattan Beach. Um, and in the early 1900s, I think around 1912 or something like that, a black family bought a little section of beach, and they set up like a cafeteria, a cafe, and they, and then a couple more black families bought, and it was like this black area of the beach. It was an area of the beach that black people could go to. Mm-hmm. And then these white people, of course, got tired of it. They tried burning the place down. They got the, the county took the land and said, we're going to build a park. We're taking away your land. And they paid them, you know, one quarter of what it was worth or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. So now that was like 1920 or 1921. So now it's 100 years later and the county has gone to this family and basically said, we're sorry, we were wrong. We, we this land belongs to your family. And they're trying to figure out the financial reparation. And it, it's like three things. They're like, we can pay you what it's worth, which is like $70 million. Because this is prime beachfront yeah. property in LA wow. County. You know what I mean? This is, they, they said, or we can pay you like basically back rent because they use the land for some kind of lifeguard station or whatever, you know, and, and um, or the third one is we rent it from you at market value and we pay, you know, mm-hmm. anyway, obviously people are like, well, why do we have to pay this and that? And there was a representative, a congressman, I can't remember his name, but he's a state congressman. And he said something that I thought was beautiful. He said, listen, if you can have generational wealth, right, these other families who own the land, passed it around. But he said, if you can have generational wealth, you can have generational debt. And wow. and I think that is like, yes, that is what America owes. America owes a debt mm-hmm. to the black families and the black people who built this country. And and I don't care if you don't want to admit it's true, but they're <laughs> the ones who did the labor that built the 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 farms, the plantations, the the cotton industry, yep. every industry when you think about it, it all mm-hmm. started from that. Yeah. So to so acknowledge it. Wait, wait, are you kidding me? Like right. tell the truth. You know, listen, slavery was not nice. You know, that it wasn't nice. Stop trying to make it like it was, well, they were part of the family and they worked and they, no, it was, it was a horrible fucking thing. And just like they say, like Germany does not try to clean up the Nazi era. Germany doesn't try to make it like, you know, we had a little disagreement with the Jewish people. Like, no, (laughs) Germany, Germany teaches, no, the Nazis, that was the worst possible thing we could have done. Mm-hmm. And we can't even make up for it, but this is the truth. America needs to acknowledge that to heal it. Yep. You have to acknowledge it to heal it. And it's not saying that all white people are evil or any, right. you know, all of that. No, it's not that. It's acknowledge our history. You want to acknowledge everyone else's history, acknowledge mm-hmm. our history and and look at that and look at what was done. I, I got into a discussion with this guy one time who was talking about it. And I said, you know, do you do you agree that black people are as smart as white people. And it might've killed him to say it, but he was like, yeah, you know, and I said, <laughs> no, really think about this. Do you, I said, so if things were even, doesn't it make sense that there might've been a black Hilton family? 
or a right. black, uh, you know, uh, you know, whatever, Armand Hammer or, or mm -hmm. you, you know what I mean? Like, look, I'll tell you who showed it. Jay-Z. Right. Oh. Jay was a dope dealer. And then he went legit. But his business skills as a dope dealer have made him a billionaire. Like, that's what business school Jay-Z went to. Jay-Z didn't right. go to, to, to Harvard or, or whatever. Jay-Z yeah. learned on the streets in the dope game. And then they put him in legitimate business. And it's like, how many other people, given that opportunity, would do that? How many, you know, yeah. because intelligence is intelligence. Let me tell you something. Just the fact that they can convert grams to ounces in their head right. is an amazing. <laughs> but listen, the only Americans that have mastered the metric system are dope dealers. The right. rest of us are still thoroughly confused by the metric system. Yes. They got it down. They got no problem with it. Yeah. I know, you know how often I think about things like, like I'm Italian and I'm always like, the, the amount of shit the mafia knew that I don't. Just but, but like you always think like oh the goombas they're morons and I'm like they got a better handle on money than I ever will, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like god damn. Um, there's a great quote by uh, Stephen Jay Gould and I'm sure you know what it is, but he basically was saying and I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't know the whole thing, but he's like he was basically like I'm less interested in the weight and um, the dissection of Einstein's brain uh, than he said like then in the near possibility of how many people that could have been an Einstein died in like plantations and, you know, in cotton fields. And that always, I'd always got to me when I think about that, because, you know, everybody's so obsessed with their, that kind of history, as opposed to, uh, you know, making up, making amends for it too. Like I never knew about, um, Memorial day until well after high school. Right. And that was something well, nobody, that I was like, how the hell did they not teach us that? No. And now the big thing is the Tulsa massacre, you know, Yes, and, and black wall street. And it's like, okay, so these same, and again, this is a right wing, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It's like, well, we were, we right. were, and we yeah. had a whole economy we were building on our own and you didn't like that and decided to burn it down and kill everyone. Right. So, you know, it's, it's, and they're like, well, don't teach that. Well, yeah, yeah. teach that. And and so many of us, I didn't, I'd never heard of the Tulsa massacre when I was in school. Not mm. one mention no, of that in school. And no. and so now it's talk. And now when the talk comes out, they're like, well, can't we, can't we deny it? Can't we clean it up? Can't we, you know, <laughs> it's like, no, no, we all saw Watchmen. We know what you did. <laughs> I would love to have you. I have, a, I have a very, very close friend, right, who's Liberian, and we have this conversation. He had, it's funny because we have like the again, it's weird because it's like the opposite views, me being white and him being like like dark, dark Liberian. And he comes over, he's like, he doesn't feel the same way because he grew up in Liberia, super well educated, came across, has a totally different perspective on like he's very much into. He's like, it's a manipulation of the poor more than it's a manipulation of color and then we go we start getting into a lot of those conversations where i'm like systematic racism existed like you can't deny that mm -hmm. occurring but he's like yeah he's like but in my and he's not he's not uh he's not older but he's not young right and his parents mm -hmm. never like they're back in liberia at this point they're not they're not here any longer they came over for a while and it's such a weird it's a weird conversation because a lot like we were saying like a lot of people where he's We've had these conversations. He's had run into the police strictly due to his melanin, right? But 
he'll still disagree with me and he'll be like, no, I think it's an education value, which I get to one because he makes very poignant points when we discuss things, because I feel like even me super undereducated financially. I think most of America is and they they don't teach us to be smart enough to win. Like, but I think that's I think that's to the masses. They try to keep us all separated and keep us divided and keep us held down because if you educate it's so much more powerful than giving back, you know, but I would love to, I would well, love you and him to dig into it together. And and I appreciate what you're saying. And I think there's two parts to the argument you're saying, right? So yeah. Lyndon Johnson said this, and this was the, I forget what they call it, but it was like the, the white strategy in the sixties. He said, yeah. once you convince poor white people that they have more in common with rich white people than poor black people, they will fight to give you their money. And that's what mm -hmm. the Republican Party did. And they convinced yeah. the, listen, a poor white person is much more like a poor black or Latino or anything than they are like a rich white person. But when you get into the systematic racism and we see it all the time, no matter who you are, no matter how much money you have, we see it with doctors and college yeah. professors and every other, some cop on the street just sees you as black. And right. they, they, they treat you, they attack you, they do whatever. You know, then after the fact, they're like, oh, oh, my God, you know, oh, I didn't know you were, you know, and it's like, yeah, because all you saw was black. I mean, I've dealt with yeah. that. Right. I'm the I'm the big black guy. Right. So mm -hmm. and I tell people it's like you don't understand what it's like to try to when you know you have to put people at ease. Mm -hmm. It's like I'm not walking around the street beating people up. We're not Vikings. We're not walking <laughs> around just just ah, I will kill you. Like, no, you know, right. and and. I've had comics be like, oh man, if they don't laugh, you could just, it's like, yes, I'm going to threaten the crowd to laugh. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's my strategy. Why would I write right. any material when I could threaten the crowd, you know? And, but, but just the idea that that's in their head, see, that shows yeah. where they're coming from. You know what I mean? That's the underlying thing. Um, and, but with black people who come from other countries, it's different because they have a country. Yeah. See, that's what's unique about the black people in America. The United States is our country, but we don't have our own country. So when you come from Liberia, Nigeria, the, the Caribbean or something like that, you do have a country you identify with. Right. Like like yeah. Richard Pryor famously said that when he went to Africa, he was like, there are no niggas in Africa. Because everyone was black. So that, right. and he said it blew his mind and it changed his whole view toward that because he was like he had never seen a place, you know, and it, for me, it was like that. Yeah. You know, when I went to other countries and me and a friend, we were on a USO tour and we realized we were like, you know what? We're the only two black people here and nobody cares. Wow. Yeah. That never happens in the United States. Mm -hmm. if, if you're the only two black people in a public place, you're very aware of it, whether it be <laughs> out loud or quietly. Right. You know what I mean? You're aware of it. And then mm -hmm. that was so. So, yeah, when you deal with other countries and black people from other countries again, and this is why I say, you know, teaching the 1619 Project and critical race theory, being black in America is a unique experience. And it's not about being a victim it's i'm not talking about victimization although being a victim is part of it but it's a psychological thing and it's a psychology on both sides mm -hmm. you know every racist who's changed every one of the stories i've heard it's because of a personal interaction yeah 
It was a personal interaction. You know, I had a big problem with that movie Green Book because it was like, they thought it was a brilliant movie. Why? Because a white guy learned a black guy was human. That was yep. it. That's groundbreaking. Right. That's yeah. groundbreaking that a white guy learned that a black man is cultured and brilliant and, and, you know, quote, well-spoken or whatever. And and it's, oh my God, it's like, yeah. And that on behalf of the groundbreaking news, right. <laughs> and on behalf of Brooklyn Italians, I apologize. Uh, that is <laughs> that was a that was a garbage movie. Um, I, I have at the same like personal interaction. I was trying to talk to family members. I've got you know they don't quite get the BLM stuff. It aggravates the shit out of me. And we were talking at one point, and I kind of explained to a couple of them, and I think I got through to some of them. But I was like, I have uh, I like I performed in. DC. I performed in Baltimore. I performed in black rooms when I started out exclusively. I have performed in wherever it is. And I said, the only time I was ever threatened or felt unsafe was in Ohio, <laughs> where I was, you know, where some country bumpkin didn't like that I was wearing leather and had long hair and a bit or whatever. And and I was like, the, the only times I've ever been, and it was white, you know, Trump supporters, again, same thing or whatever. I was like, it's the only time I've ever been actively threatened i had a drunk try to beat the shit out of me at a cafe uh at, a, at one show because he was just yeah, uh, you know all and i was like think about every instance where i've been whatever and then they were kind of took pause for like half a second I'm like because every place you think is going to be a dangerous area because they're they're you know my family's like have a huge family they're italian they're from brooklyn they're all that kind of stuff and they grew up back in the day so they've just got the worst uh you know perspectives on shit but i'm like i literally go into all those places i'm completely fine i go anywhere else and i'm uh, i immediately feel like shit <laughs> like i don't know what this you know it's yeah, hard to get they, through to i people. mean listen a hardcore black room they'll boo you they won't yeah. attack you right they'll let exactly. you know you ain't funny you right. know, they, should, <laughs> Which they, they have. let me know i'm not funny you know they don't <laughs> they don't care about that but right yeah uh, but no one comes they, after you after the show me and dane cook were talking this was last summer when everything mm -hmm. was going on BLM and the, the actually the laugh factory in long beach got hit. Like they broke the windows during a rally and stuff like that. And we were talking oh, wow. and he had, he said something that I thought was really profound. He said, man, wouldn't it be great if the world was like a green room? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man. You think about it. Like when comics are in the green room, we give each other shit about everything. Yep. But there's no hate behind it. You know, yes. so so you being Italian, we we go at it. You know, me and Bobby mm -hmm. Kelly. Uh, you know, I love calling Bobby Kelly a Puerto Rican because that's what he looks like. <laughs> I don't care. He says he's Irish. He's a fat Puerto Rican, and you know he. Uh, I will never forget. Bobby Kelly once called me brownie. I stopped what I was doing and fell out laughing. I was like, <laughs> I didn't even like that. I've never heard that. That is that is a horrible thing, but it's a like, but right. you know, yeah. We we laugh about it. We we had a thing. Oh my God! When we were doing last comic, mm -hmm. there was a thing that that blew up between Ant and Corey Holcomb, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so they sent the, the poor woman. She was the like corporate person from NBC who has to do the diversity talk. Oh God! But she's used to talking to accountants or or you know I don't know secretaries or whatever. And they yep. sent her in a room of 10 comics to talk about diversity. Mm -hmm. And we destroyed the poor woman. I don't know if she cried <laughs> or quit at the end of the day. You know, me, me and Gary Goldman, like, 
So suppose the uh, Jewish, he's like, well, the black guy said this, and we're, we're looking at Kathleen. Well, this broad, this broad over here does it. And we're going, we're going, because we're, we're like, are you kidding? Are you kidding? We're calm. Yeah, there right. is nothing off limits in this room because we know each other, we love each other, and yes. this is what we do. You know, Heffron's like, I'm just a white mm. guy. I'm not allowed to say anything. And it's like, right. yeah, shut up. You know, and it was. Yeah. I don't know. You know, that's why when they talk about the cancel culture and it is, I don't buy into that shit either, because right. if it's funny, it's funny. And the, and the crowd knows whether or not you mean it. Yeah, that's the thing. The crowd picks up right away on whether or not you mean it. And um, so so I don't buy into that. Yeah. The, the, the sexual harassment and all that. And that's changed, man. Society's changed. Sure. You know, we I did a show with uh, Dom Herrera hosted and Dom he said, Dom. Everyone on the show, he said, I want you to do a bit that you're not allowed to do anymore. <laughs> and it was great. And then we talk about the bit and like why you can't make that right. joke anymore. But but some of it is society has advanced and we're not doing the same thing we were doing right. back then. But the, I tell him the other side of it. I said, listen, Don Rickles was still funny. Yeah. You know, yeah. I Don Rickles made fun of me. I was honored. It was one of my great moments in comedy. Wow. Do you remember Rickles. what he said? Oh, yeah. Alonzo, that's good. You took a white man's name, so the cops won't think you did it. And uh, <laughs> you'll be able to see him this weekend, probably uh, in San Quentin, where he spends Saturday night. You know, just just, <laughs> just, just, just the cheap, stereotypical, right. you know, black, yeah. but but it's Don Rickles, for God's sake. And, and yeah. who was better at it? Who was better at it? And who I saw Don Rickles make fun of a guy from Tonga. It's like, yeah, I don't have any Tongan material ready to go. I, uh, yeah, I, I got it. When you're ready to specifically make fun of a guy from Tonga, I'm gonna go ahead and admire you. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, man. The green. That's a that's a good that's a good point with the green room stuff. Uh, I was at a comedy store when they just started to do the roast battles. You know what I mean? Before mm -hmm. that got like really big or whatever, and it, we were s fucking everybody was there, man. We were slammed into the belly room. It was like one of the earliest ones. And there's a kid in a uh, on crutches, a comic that I've never seen before. They must have just been brand new, and another one in a wheelchair. And when I tell you the heinous shit that they said, but I mean, I like all of us dying, the audience, absolutely. The and I was absolutely. like, if people could see this <laughs> and just understand, it would be all. But I'm like, why is no one filming? You know what I mean? It's like it's weird. I love yeah. that moment. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's because we get it, and because yeah. you know why? Because there's no hate behind it, right? There's no yeah. And then, but I know yeah. people who have seen comics. You know, I have a friend who he books these big um, concerts and stuff, mm -hmm. and he, um, you know, different themes. You know, and this is the best of the '80s, or this is the this, or this is the right. that. And he was doing something, and he said, "This comic, it was country. It was some kind of country." music thing and he said this comic came up here and just started talking the most racist stuff and yeah. he, and sh he said we shut him off we just shut him off it was like the blacks this and the jews that and he thought he was at the kkk barbecue <laughs> and they were like no man this is not you know so yeah. so again when you when you come from that place right the audience knows it right away and the audience yeah. will shut it down there was a guy in montreal a few years ago some uh big youtube southern comic who did some racist stuff and and um they they sent him home 
they were like, yo, man, this wow. is Canada. And and the, the yeah. thing that sucked about it was for his brand, that was the best thing that could happen, right? Because now he can go home. You know, he's a Trumper and a racist and say, see, they sure. shut me down, them liberals, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But it was it was Canadians were like, no, man, we're not, we don't, we don't allow that here. You know, right. it, it, yeah, again, it's, there's a difference between funny and hate, but yeah, you, you give me a guy on crutches and a guy in a wheelchair, you know, I'm going to stand at the top of the stairs and make fun of both of them. Cause <laughs> what are they going to do? <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's crazy, man. And that's the thing. Like I, I had this conversation with Pete Dominic at one point and I felt like we were talking about two different topics about the cancel culture stuff. Cause that's all, it seems like anytime you turn on a YouTube channel or YouTube station, every legion of skanks, everybody's talking about it in one form or another. And I feel like it's four different conversations because it's like the people that are concerned about it genuinely are always talking about, uh, you know, like the Harvey wine scene and the bill Cosby's and the Kevin spaces. And you're just like, okay, but those are felons. So, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> those are felonies. Right. That's not cancel culture. And then I feel like the other side of that is comics that are just out of their minds who think they're getting their freedom of speech taken away. Then I feel like the argument in the middle ground is just irrationality versus rationality, which is like basically just what Twitter is. Twitter is a mentally abusive. They're all people with mental illness and they're on Twitter and uh, they have not dealt with it uh, appropriately. So they're just angry about a bunch of random shit and they have a an outlet to take it out on and they take it out on the wrong people. Like I felt bad. I don't know if you know when Jess Kirsten, uh, you know, Jessica Kirsten, when she got slammed this past thing. And I was like, I get it. She's fine. She's not necessarily canceled. Yeah. But the cancel culture part of that is being randomly attacked by unidentified people that you don't know and you don't know what to do with it. Because for a, an entire week, that type of stuff just happens and it explodes and you don't know what's going on and who you're going to get dropped by. And that's what yeah, I think well, people are upset all, about. I can't tell you how much I love Jessica Kirsten and Me how too. funny she is. Yeah, she's, I, she's, the best. she's unbelievable how funny she the woman's yeah. absolutely disturbed but she's learned to market it brilliantly you know <laughs> she's and, coming and on the show to too death. so we'll tell her you love said her hi <laughs> oh absolutely but you know the thing and and this was a this okay this is back when we were doing last comic standing right and they had mm -hmm. the the forums this is before any social media or anything else and these um, people would get on the forums and this and that and kathleen madigan just brilliantly said yeah angry middle acts <laughs> she didn't have five minutes for their bullshit she was like oh, eh, angry middle acts that's <laughs> hilarious like, yeah. yeah you know the the thing about the cancel culture it's, it's the hip it's the hypocrisy right so you had yeah. them all all these crazy right-wingers yelling about dr seuss right what, blah, 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 blah. Right? right and then and then they suddenly wanted to cancel baseball like they literally yeah wanted to cancel baseball and and coca-cola like is there anything more american than having a coke at a baseball game but you want to cancel that you're you're claiming to be american and you want to cancel baseball yep it's that's why it, it's all bullshit, right oh, yeah. i wish i could get canceled for the press for the press you know i say that all the time i'm like give it just, give, then, just bring it this way when you look at the when you look at the twitter and, and you know and you see, oh, this guy who hates me has eight followers. Yes. You know, and all they're doing is they're trying to piggyback on the popularity of, of somebody else, you know, mm -hmm. and or 
Um, I had a, uh, I knew a comic who got into a fight, not with Joe Rogan, with Joe's followers, right? Oh my God. And I said to him, I said, you understand they have nothing else to do all day. Right. And he said, you know what he said to me? You know what he said? He said, my wife told me the same thing. It's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what the hell are you doing? Right. And, 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 you know, and I love Joe. I love yeah. Joe. I've known Joe for 20 years. Joe will say something that's controversial. But that's Joe saying it. His followers, right? They're the cult. He's not the cult. They are. Right. Yeah. They they decide something, or like you said, with the attack on Jess, mm-hmm. it, it's like now it's it's in a it's in a vacuum. It like reinforces itself, right? Yeah. It, it just keeps going and it builds its own momentum. And all you can do, as hard as it is, as difficult as it is, is ignore it. You know, yes. me and me and uh, me and John Henson get get on each other when we start arguing with someone in Twitter. We're both like, "The hell are you doing? What are you doing? Right? Stop it!" You know. Um, yeah, I have friends who do that to me. One of my one of my friends, uh, we are writing uh, this. Uh, we were we were writing a pilot. We had a thing that we were pitching or whatever. And we had a due date, and I got distracted online. I started arguing with this with this lunatic. Some woman doesn't even matter, and. Uh, she had her profile picture up and it looked like the girl. It looked like um, Mara, Hen- Mara, Mara Wilson. And he just sent me this text message in all caps. He goes, would you stop arguing with the girl from Matilda and get that? Shit? <laughs> and I was like, You're right. You're right. <laughs> I was like, fine. Uh, you mentioned Pete Dominic. I love Pete. Me too. Pete's a great I guy. Love Pete. It was it was one of those things where like Tom, I think, was on the broadcast at the time too. Pete and I see eye to eye. We had great phone conversations together. I've been on his show. We had a good time. And then the cancel culture thing came up, and Pete lost his mind because he was doing his yelly thing. And I was like, "We're not, we're not arguing over that. Like, <laughs> we're fine." And he was like, he was just, you know, I guess, I guess he saw Voss and got upset. I don't know, but like, because <laughs> Voss had been on earlier. But um, yeah, it was, it was a weird thing, man. I love Pete too. He's a great guy. Super fun. And the, the other thing, you know, when you mentioned Cosby. Who I love, I love Bill Cosby, and sure. and Bill Cosby, his ego destroyed his career. Yep, you know, just say you were wrong, say you were yeah. wrong, you know, it, and he couldn't say he was wrong. Right. Um, you know, that's what that's what happens with these guys, and that's what destroyed him. And it's a shame because he destroyed his comedy, like yes. his legacy has been destroyed, and you can't refer to some of the greatest comedy ever. You know. The, the bits and the, and the this and that, but right. but I can't say I feel sorry for him because no. he did this himself or or a Harvey Weinstein or whatever. It's right. like, hey, you know, say you're wrong. The first thing you got to do is you got to say you're wrong, and then you go from there. Mm-hmm. But but when your ego is such that when you start when you start attacking the women that you physically attack. It's like, no, man, you can't do that. You could say it was a different time. You could say people behave differently. People said different things, whatever. Yeah. And and again, not justifying, but but just no, I know accepting mean. it and owning it. But yeah, they they destroyed their own they destroyed their own legacies. Yeah. So and no, for the most I, part, I, you you have to be able to talk about that kind of stuff too, because there are nuances to things, not necessarily in Cosby's case. But one of the weirdest videos I remember seeing back then is Cosby is getting interviewed by Larry King and uh, they're openly both of them talking about Spanish fly 
And he's like, yeah. you know, you get a girl, whatever. And they're having a blast. They're laughing about it. And that was like in 90 something. Right. And I'm like, that's a discussion to have why that was perfectly fine on, t you know, and then they're talking about back in the sixties and whatever the hell the deal was, because it, it can't be that those are the only two old men. You know what I mean? Like in Hollywood. No, well, they had, they had the playboy club where they went and did that every night. Yeah. That yeah, was exactly. the purpose of the club. And, you know, I have a friend, he's a, a retired advertising guy. Mm -hmm. And when that show mad men was on, uh, he said, not even close. He's not even close <laughs> to the shit, shit we were doing. Yeah, he wow. was like, are you kidding? They, they're just scratching the surface of some of the shit we did because that's how business was done. That's right. how business was done. And the, and the secretarial pool was a bunch of girls that were just like, yeah, this is our, yeah. we plucked from the pool and, and all of that, you know, and the drinking on the job. You imagine having a full bar in your office and you're like, like you're drinking before 10 AM and Dude. it's fine. Yeah. It's absolutely. <laughs> fine, you know? so, somebody told me this and I, I could not, I found like one article that mentions it in passing, or it must've been a, a, a like an essay in a, in a magazine. They said in the twenties that ye, people could drink and drive. And in emergency situations, they would be like, you get tired on the road there's a little black box that you keep underneath your car seat and it would have uh whiskey. And, you know, they would say people who do, who traveled the road and did road stuff, you know, whatever long drive would drink and, and fucking drive. That's wild to me, but that's I like, mean, yeah. I mean, you know, things have changed over time. I mean, like say, listen, cocaine was in Coca-Cola. Now that'll help right. you drive. Yeah. <laughs> give you more miles on it, you know, getting yeah. to a, to a road give gig, you wings. right? Yeah. yeah, it's it's a you know different times things change right smoking, right. smoking was encouraged and you knew yeah. you know you, how many yeah. all the pregnant women smoked in the sixties right and if you said it's unhealthy people looked at you like you were insane like what the hell yeah, is wrong yeah. with you of course you know it's and uh, it's so it's there's like so the many discourse has been weird it changes but now and and I think the pendulum swings you know sure. so like the meat. The Me Too movement, you know, at one point it was like, yeah, well, the pendulum swung the other way. And there are probably some innocent guys who got caught up. But yeah. look how many women suffered for sure. so long. Yeah. You know, I if during Me Too and even now, if you talk to women who are in their 60s and 70s, mm -hmm. these were the women who went through this shit because they were working back yep. in the 1960s. And I have one friend. She celebrated every time one of these guys goes down. Because <laughs> she, you know, she was a tall, beautiful woman, and she had to put up with that shit for 30 years through her career. Right. And she yeah. was like, so every time one of them goes down, she was like, fuck him, take all his <laughs> money, throw him in jail. And it's like, yeah, she was understandably like, I understood her resentment toward it, right. you know, so... I did this bit on stage, uh, finally went back on stage after a, like a year and a half or whatever, did Greenwich Village. Uh, and uh, But I just tried it out because I noticed a little bit of an hypocrisy thing. But I was like, you know, I was like, either you were fucking during the pandemic and you didn't care or you found an alternative way to do it. And I was like, and it killed me. I said, because in 2016, you know, Louis C.K. got in, uh, got canceled and all this shit taken away for asking women if it was OK to jerk off in front of them. And I was like, cut to a pandemic and five years later and Vice, Vulture, 
Vox all have articles about how Gen Z is paving the way for FaceTime fucking. And I'm like, it's just masturbating without the eye contact. Like that's. Yeah. <laughs> that's Although I even... guess. And I don't really see, I don't know Louie at all. So no, me neither. It, I've been asked and I, I don't know how to comment on it. I guess there were some who he didn't ask. <laughs> that's <laughs> what know? I, had, you know, that's uh, what I had heard too, but from but people I don't who, know. I yeah, can't say for sure, but right. But, from what I understand, that was it. I do. I will say this. I know of comics who've done that, you know? Yeah. And the, see, the joke I do about it is like porn is every man's fantasy and some guys believe it. So there are guys who oh. actually believe if I start whacking off, she's going to drop what she's doing and jump right. on it. And it's like, uh, no. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Did it you hear his bit about porn, it? But uh, no, I haven't. He's, uh, I'm not going to, well, I'll, I'll paraphrase a little bit of it, but it was his, it is in his recent special. I just heard a clip of it that somebody threw up online, but he was basically just like, should we talk about it? Do you want to talk about it? And they're all like, the audience is obviously like, yeah. yeah, yeah. And he goes, listen, and he goes, if you ever ask someone, if you can jerk off in front of them and they say, yes, say, are you sure? And then just don't fucking do it. <laughs> he goes, walk away. And nobody goes, look. And he goes, he goes, uh, he goes, I'm just really good at jerking off. And I like to share it. And he goes, but he goes, but you know how horrible it is when people know your kink? And he just starts looking at the audience. He's like, you're so fucking lucky. I don't know what your thing is. He's like, Obama knows what my thing is. You know, he was reading the and he does this <laughs> horrible Obama impression where he's like, so it was just kind of, you know, it's. I know that we give like comedians and shit like that a pass because we're charming. You know, we're able to articulate how we're feeling and yada, yada, yada. But I'm the same. I'm the same boat you are. I don't know anything about it. It's the same way with like a Woody Allen situation where they've been going after that guy for years. You know, uh, I don't know him, but I feel like it's one of those things where like I don't understand if you look at the information provided. I don't think there's enough to give a fuck about it. You know what I mean? At this point. Well, it's such an insane thing. Like you ended up yeah. with your stepdaughter. Right. Right. But right. I, I don't even know how to get my head around that. You know, exactly. Um, well, the, the thing that's crazy to me is like the, le like I remember uh, re like listening to Janine Garofalo on a podcast about um, they were just bringing stuff up and it was around a couple of years after the Louis thing where they were like, well, Louis just whips his dick out in front of people, and blah, blah, blah. and she was like, "If you want to talk about it, let's talk about it." But get it, get the like that's not what he does. And she's like, "And I resent <laughs> headlines that accuse him of it." It's almost the same thing with the Woody Allen thing, where like when people read about this kind of stuff, where it's like, from what I understand and from what I've read about it, is basically like he was one of those dudes who was just had a girlfriend who had kids and didn't give a fuck about the kids, so he yeah. he lived on the other side of wherever came over i guess they boned and then she was like hey why don't you say hi to and he was like i'm good and then would like leave so we had no contact mm -hmm. with them but by the way i'm not justifying it it's fucking weird as shit that he <laughs> wound up there. like that's the other thing that like you always have to put in place where you're like hold up totally fucking weird but so like but that was it and then apparently you know mia was like hey why don't you fucking hang out with soon Yi?" and she was whatever 19 or something like that and then supposedly you know they fell in love and he wound up marrying her and leaving Mia. But like the, I don't like the idea that he was their father figure because he was just a guy. We all know people like that who were like, don't let your kids see me leave the house. Cause God help you. I don't want to be that guy. You know what I mean? Right. And he's, you know, and then, you, you know, he's this neurotic, crazy guy. I mean, right. who, who knows? It, it, it's, 
Yeah. Now, you know what it is? Now we know, right? Because now we have social media 24 right. 7 news yeah. cycle. And so now we know what everybody's doing and to the point where a lot of times I don't want to know. I don't need to necessarily know right. who you're fucking. You know, I'm exactly. fascinated. I'm fascinated how many NBA players fuck the same Kardashian. It, that <laughs> that fascinates me. Because, That's going to be the title of this episode, by the way. That was the greatest line. Not really. But. There's there's 260 guys in the NBA, right? Mm -hmm. So you know how you, on occasion you know some guy who hooked up with the girl you were with? like, But in yeah. the NBA, everyone knows you were banging this Kardashian. Like, it's not your girlfriend. It's your turn. Right. You know, yeah. and and I always say the Kardashians are the only ones who could sit at the NBA All-Star game and be, yeah, I did that one. And I did that one. And my sister did that one. And I did that one. I think the younger one, I don't know the names of, I think it's Kylie Jenner. I think she's the one has an NBA starting five. Like she's literally had, wow. you know, like Blake Griffin and Ben Simmons and wow. um, a couple. Yeah. I think she's had five, you know, play. and again, I'm not, listen, I'm not slut shaming or any of no. that. Like, listen, you want to fuck brothers in the NBA, go ahead, have fun. But to me, it's like, this is a small pool. Like, couldn't you, like, if I'm in yeah. the NBA and I want a hot, hot woman, maybe I'm going to go away from the Kardashians because I don't want to be in the locker room with this guy that, you know, there's, there's going to be a thing. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. there's, see, and yeah. I thought you were going to say, give some of the guys in comedy a chance. Oh, no. <laughs> but I will, I will tell you that it's not often I'm caught flat footed and silenced, but. I was doing Adam Carolla's podcast. We were doing mm -hmm. it live at the improv and I walk on and I don't know if you know, Adam and Adam's Not way yet. about him and stuff, but he just looked at me and says, shouldn't you be fucking a Kardashian? And I just <laughs> fell out. I just, I had nothing. I was like, Oh man, it was, like, that was just the way he said it. It was just so funny in the moment and perfect right. question. It was like, nah, I didn't make the league. So I don't get one. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, we were we were just talking about Adam re recently because we were talking about possibly having him on or whatever. And uh, I just didn't know what kind of guy I was like. I think he's going to hate me. No, so, Adam's a very see. Adam's a very interesting guy. You know, he's another guy who I'm friends with, and people have questioned my friendship with Adam. And it's an, mm -hmm. he's racist. Like Adam's not a racist. Adam might accidentally say something racist because he doesn't know any better. Because right. Adam grew up a poor white guy, and he has the attitudes in a lot of things of someone who grew up. Uh, I don't know if poor is the right word. Just, just let's say lower middle class or something. Sure. I don't know. Yeah. But he has some of those attitudes that you would develop that way. But, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, here's the thing. You could be friends with someone and not agree on everything. Yeah. You know, People forget yeah. that. Yeah. And he, he, he gives out these awards at the end of the year, and he gave me one for disagreeing with him and crushing his story. It was so funny, <laughs> you know. Uh, he, but he's an interesting guy. He he, yeah. he comes from a blue-collar world. He was a carpenter, and he mm -hmm. went to radio, and then he he figured it out, and he made it, and now he's like, a, it, you know, he's a car collector. He's a dad. He's uh, a bunch of things. In some ways, he's a blue-collar guy, and in other ways, he is a right-wing Republican, and he is just who he is. But... Right. He's, he's an interesting guy and he's, he has his voice, right? He's, yeah, you know, so if you can get him, I would say get him. He's, he's, 
yeah worth talking to that's cool because i was literally we were just talking about him and i literally always think like oh maybe this guy's not gonna fucking like me so let's not (laughs) it's the italian of trying to beat the family argument to the punch you're like let's just forget about it and we'll just in in john's defense he feels that way about every guest about 10 minutes before we have them on the show okay (laughs) (laughs) i do it's a little yeah i'm a little i got the little uh the first the first time and i gotta run guys i gotta bounce sure, sure, sure. In a minute, but but the first time i did adam's show this is when he was still on radio mm-hmm. and we were doing last comic and i had no idea what to expect right i'd heard all these different things about mm-hmm. adam and i go on and he was so fascinated with the fact that i had been an airplane mechanic because he was like he loved that because he was wow. a carpenter he's like man used to do used to work used <laughs> to like go to work and build shit, you know and it's right. like yeah and we so we hit it off on that, and then we it, the friendship expanded mm-hmm. from that point into you know cars and and other stuff that we share, you know. And I love this is something I'll, I'll tell you about Adam. People will talk about Adam being a racist. Adam produced a movie called Uppity about a guy named Willie T. Ribs, who was the first black guy to drive in the Indy Five Hundred. And Adam made that movie because he was so fat. See the look on your face? Yeah. yeah. Adam yeah. made that movie because it's such a great story. Wow. So it's like, yeah, you're going to have a hard time selling me on him being a racist. Yeah. You wow, know, that's incredible. Just, I didn't know that. You're going to have a hard time selling <clears throat> me on that when he made that movie with his money. You know? Right. And, and So... Wow. Absolutely. I want yeah, I just want to plug everything you have before you go too. So yes. we have coming up on Saturday, June twelfth. You're gonna be on NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, right? Earlier yes. in the day. And then it's gonna be followed by that same day on June twelfth. You're gonna be at the Genesee Theater in Waukegan, Illinois. Saturday, June twelfth at six PM. And then also live at the Laugh Factory in Vegas, July first through fourth, huh? For Independence Day. So oh, yeah. yeah, back to Vegas. I haven't been to uh, I haven't been to Vegas yet. Uh, so That's it'll be, be interesting, interesting to see what you yeah. know. I, I hear all kind of things, but uh, it's Vegas, so they're going to be rolling again. You know, absolutely. yeah. Oh, uh, absolutely. And before you go, man, let me just ask you quick. <clears throat> always ask people who are on if you had one piece of advice to give yourself when you were younger, something that you know now, what would it be? Uh, learn publicity and marketing. Man, I wish I'd <laughs> oh. learned that. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. I, uh, you know, um, me and Heffron joke about this. John Heffron, who I mm-hmm. love, old friend. And we're like, you know, we timed it perfectly to wind up in the middle because we were too young for the Johnny Carson 80s late night era. Mm-hmm. And then we were too old when social media hit. You know, we, we kind of missed right. on both sides. But but I wish I had learned more about self-promotion. I've watched people, you know, I've listened. I watched Fluffy start. I remember when he first bounced oh, yeah. on stage in East LA. And we were like, this is a giant 10-year-old in shorts and he's hilarious. But he <laughs> he turned out to be brilliant in marketing himself and built this whole thing. Joe Coy right. did the same thing. I watched Joe Coy do it. I watched Dane Cook do it. I was friends with Dane. And I was like, yeah. you couldn't give me a tip? You couldn't have mentioned something. <laughs> you couldn't it's have up. said, "Hey, there's this MySpace thing you should look into." You right. Know? And and like, I got no, I got nothing but love for all of them because they mm-hmm. figured it out and good yeah. for them. But I would tell me, twenty years ago, learn marketing because I had this thing of thinking that if you're the funniest, the word gets out, and it doesn't. You got to put the word out. Yep. 
Wow, that's great, man. That's solid advice. And thank you for coming on here. I really appreciate it. I hope we get to work together again soon. You're one of my favorite comics, man. You're fucking hilarious and always insightful on stage. So it's it's just masterful watching you, dude. Thank you. Yeah, we'll we'll cross paths. You know, the world's opening up again. I even heard yeah. it's funny you mentioned bananas in Poughkeepsie. I mm-hmm. got hit up by somebody who they bought that and they're gonna reopen it under another name. I heard that too, uh, man. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. it you know it had fallen so far down. Yes. when it shut down. So maybe we'll maybe we'll hit that together. One of my yeah, that'd be great, man. One of my favorite things I opened for you at the bananas in Hasbro Kais the first time I worked with you, first time I met you. And you're like, hey man, I'm gonna let's go. I'll buy you coffee. And we're walking on the highway, you know, down to that McDonald's or whatever. Yeah. You yeah. are I like sitting down, you are so much taller than me. Like it's almost like I'm not <laughs> I'm not technically human size, but I just remember walking down the highway and like literally seeing like ca- like like kind of like looking like I was your <laughs> little organ grinder monkey. Like it was just like I should have been holding your hand across that <laughs> ridiculous. But that can was I, I always crack up. Oh, can and I, I just was talking to Liz Mealy about that, and she loves you, by the way. Oh, I love Liz. Yes, I, Liz is the best. Yeah. And can I also, before you go, just say what a badass you are? You drive a motorcycle almost like every basically almost everywhere right like yeah i love riding i love yeah. riding, and that's uh i my friends always make fun of me because i have the all of the elements of somebody i've always wanted to drive a motorcycle by the way and then my friends are like you will kill yourself but i hate that fa- but like i i love leather like i've always worn leather jackets like high school and up just like it like the look and you know they always make fun of me because the hair thing or whatever and they're like why don't you have a motorcycle you're you're the only one and i'm just like I, I don't know. I'm in Jersey. There's no well, fucking, you know, the first the first piece of advice I'm going to give you is you don't drive a motorcycle. You ride one. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, no, people say that all the time. It's like, no, you right. don't drive a motorcycle. You ride one. And it's funny you mentioned Liz because mm-hmm. I took Liz on her first motorcycle ride. It was one of those things like she always wanted to do. Right. And so I took her for a ride and we had a blast. It was fun. Yeah. Liz That's is awesome. great. Yeah. I think I what John's told- getting to is he wants you to get a sidecar so when you go to the gig <laughs> together, he can just ride <laughs> in the sidecar with you. Uh, I'll do it, man. I'll do whatever you want. I'll carry the symbols. I'll get a tail. Whatever you need. I'm here for you. Uh, <laughs> seriously, I love you, dude. Thanks for coming on so much. I'm glad you're going back out on the road, and I, I hope we get together soon. This was great, guys. Great to see you. Take care. All the best. And uh, yeah, man, let's let's... Let's keep talking, right? That's all yes. we can do, man. Keep That's talking and hope someone's listening. Absolutely, absolutely, man. Love that. Good luck Thanks in your new so show, much, dude. Man. We'll definitely Take be care. Two- Take care. BLA fifteen eighty. We're looking forward to it. Thanks so much. Yes. All right. Thanks, guys. Okay, Peace. Thanks. Dystopia tonight.